0: Hey, everybody. It's another week where we are inside, making the best of our time, Mm -hmm. staying safe and healthy.
1: Yeah, we've been keeping busy with a lot of puzzles, if you guys have been following our Insta stories. I think we're getting too good at this because we're going to run out of puzzles soon.
0: Yeah, we only have 45 puzzles, so...
1: (laughs) (laughs) But we, we started one yesterday. No, was it yesterday?
0: Yeah, but we finished it yesterday, too. Yeah. So... It was th- start that was a sinking. thousand piece. It was yeah. was it a thousand? It was a thousand. So okay. usually Easy we do two piece. thousand pieces. But um, also we've been working out every day. I can see three of my abs now.
1: I I can see one of nope. Never mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was that was just the sandwich I had at lunch. But uh, no, we're making the best of time. And honestly, it has been great for Linda and me to spend more time together. We know this is a really important thing for everyone to do: isolation, keeping mm-hmm. your distance. Uh, and washing your hands like crazy. I've been having to moisturize a lot because my hands have been getting really dry. Yes,
1: keep moisturized, keep washing really well, wipe down everything. We've been going crazy just wiping all surfaces down. Uh,
0: but it's good yeah. I think I think it's it's definitely something we want to do to um, kill off the coronavirus if there is a contaminated surface but with our interviews over the next couple of weeks we have pre-recorded all of these um, they were recorded before we knew any of this pandemic was going to come so keep that in mind
1: mm-hmm. hopefully but- we can keep you guys entertained and I don't know, inspire you somehow, make you laugh.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think we all need a little something to help us get through this. So continue to join us on social media as well, at home, at at home mm-hmm. on Instagram. And
1: send us videos and pictures, questions, um, send it to us at feedback at at home podcast net or just message us on social. We want to see how you all are keeping busy and happy and safe at home.
0: And I actually think it's a really important thing to interact with your friends and family and us, because I think that's a way to help us all get through this. We don't have to be face-to-face, but we can be socializing through social media.
1: Socializing through social media. What a concept. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Without further ado, here is our chat with the property parents. Hi. Hello. Oh, and hi to you too. This is At Home with Linda and Drew Scott. Welcome to our home.
1: Welcome to... Our cozy, comfy couch.
0: There's lots of room. It's an extra extended couch. It's custom made actually. So there's seats for everyone.
1: Mm -hmm. And then the more people that join, the more seats and cushions we add.
0: The more, exactly, the longer we extend the couch. We're going to have to do a blowout on the side wall of our living room to extend the living space as well. But we want you guys to join us and we're happy to do it. This has been a busy week of family, which is the best thing for us. We love having family over, so... Non-stop, It's almost like a revolving door. We should install a revolving door at the front of the house because mm-hmm. it'll be your sister's or brother or our
1: friends.
0: Friends, yes. Brad was just here as well. We have our my family, mom and dad. They visit as much as possible. Excuse me,
1: they're my family. Jonathan too. and
0: JD, all the family. See, I always say my family and your family, but together. Because my family. We're just family. Is your
1: family <laughs> and your family. is my family.
0: So this is very fitting for this week, though, because our guests on the podcast- Our
1: mom and dad.
0: Mumsy and Dadsy Scott.
1: Mumsy Scott.
0: I mean, nobody has known us longer than <laughs> mom and dad. And so if you really want the dirt on Jonathan, JD, or me, they're the ones that can give it to you. And they do when we sat down this week.
1: That is the reason why I wanted to sit down with them.
0: I am very shocked. I heard stories I had never heard before from mom and dad.
1: Which is very rare because- There's a lot of storytelling when we get together.
0: There is. And by the way, I do notice that I sound very Canadian when I say mum. Mum, Is that
1: a Canadian thing?
0: I think think Americans say mom and uh, Canadians say mum, M-U-M. What about ma? Oh, God. (laughs) Ma. Ma,
1: the meatloaf.
0: Meatloaf. Um, So, yeah, I mean, for you, what would you say coming into the Scott family fold? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: What would
0: you say is the most interesting thing for you starting to hear about? how we grew up?
1: So many things. That's a loaded question. I mean, more than anything, the closeness you guys have is just wonderful. What I love the most is, is how candid you all are with each other.
0: By candid, do you mean abrupt and rude with each other? That too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, we, we really are. We're a close family as I'm sure anybody out there, if you see on our social media, you see, we get together as much as possible and um, it's kind of cool to be able to have our parents come and travel to see us or we'll go to see them and JD, Jonathan and I, we, we see each other quite often. And then now extended family with, you know, JD's wife, Anna Lee and with Jonathan and Zoe, and then with your whole family in the mix with us. I absolutely love it. We went from a family of five to a family of 500, especially with your siblings <laughs> and cousins and all our nieces and, and, nieces and nephews. And, nephews. Yep. and that's good too for us. Baby practice with the nieces and nephews.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you
0: think is the, gonna be the hardest thing when we have kids?
1: Our schedule, hands down.
0: Yeah, actually, that's true. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to maybe what we can do is we can teach the kids at a very young age to only poop their diapers on a, on a schedule so we can fit it in. Yeah, and actually, we had a great fan question that came into on social media asking you know what it's like to be able to work with family and not rip each other's hair out. Uh, it's so important for us to be able to have, a strong work dynamic even though you're working with family and then we have our personal lives that are separate. But Jonathan and I have a similar philosophy with all of the different aspects of our businesses. It's a no BS policy. So I find the problem is a lot of families will work together and they try to bring in certain family emotions or personal emotions into work but you really have to set that personal side aside <laughs> and you have to focus on on your work. And so if you if you're letting things, personal issues, pent up and you're not talking about things, I find that that creates conflict. And so for us, we have that no bullshit policy and then we just get out of the way. If something's bothering us, we move on and it's helped us for all the years that we've ran companies together.
1: Yeah. It's definitely worked for you guys.
0: What would you say would be your one piece of wisdom for working with a spouse?
1: I think we're still working on, on it. We're always working on it, but it's to create boundaries and it's, it's hard to not take things personally because, you know, the, the work we do, we're completely invested in it. But yeah, try to not take work so personally.
0: I find one thing that is a, a really tough thing, though, is to focus on what you're doing and not trying to over multitask.
1: Like I'm doing right now?
0: Right now, Linda is sending an email, editing something on her computer, and we're talking on the podcast. That's like a Drew move you're pulling.
1: I know, but I have to, I'm sorry.
0: We have. I need uh, to get it in. I do find though that that is one of the biggest frustrations is when we're trying to just do you and me time and then we're pulling work into it and we both do it and we, we catch ourselves. So there's another little tip for anybody that's working with a spouse, have your time where you're not talking shop, you're just focusing on each other and then have your time where you can actually work in the same room as each other, even if you're not talking, but you're working in the same room. Then that way you're present with whatever you're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I like our work sessions together, yeah. where we just have our laptops side by side, and then you know R- every every few minutes I'll you know play footsies.
0: There you go. <laughs> That's me know you love me. I mean, uh, my mom and dad they worked together since my mom was I think 18 or 19 when she first moved out to Calgary. My dad was a cowboy, hired her on. They worked on these pack trips and. I mean, it's been a long career of them working together as a cowboy and cowgirl. And they mm-hmm. had a lot of the same lessons to teach us.
1: And we still have lots to learn.
0: This is going to be a lifelong learning lesson for me. Did you just burp on the mic?
1: Yeah, that was very garlicky.
0: <laughs> Guess why that happened? Why? Because you had like eight cloves of garlic on your sandwich I at lunch. I love
1: garlic. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh... Totally random. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had forty-one years to watch my mom and dad and learn from them, and I think there are a lot of life lessons from how long they've been together, how much love they still show each other. Mm-hmm. They're
1: so use. adorable together. And yeah, I can't wait to to share their wisdom with everyone because the world needs more love.
0: Well, let's dive right into this young couple, fifty-five years together. This is my mom and dad, Jim and Joanne. <laughs> Okay, if ADT wasn't professional enough, now ADT installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT believes the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I mean, what are they going to do next? They're they're going to start a country singing career.
0: I would listen to a country band named ADT. Also, I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with my Google Nest doorbell. Just saying, your
1: Google Nest doorbell. I said our. He said, my. Everybody check that. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to control my ADT smart devices like my lights, my locks.
0: (laughs) My security system with Google (laughs) Nest speakers and displays.
1: And I like to say, hey, Google, to get started.
0: Listen, I said ours. I'm all about ours, not (laughs) mine. Help protect what matters most with all this, plus 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer. I can feel the
2: love.
0: You came from Scotland to Canada because you used to watch old cowboy movies.
3: That's right. And so
0: what age were you and and what was it that made you want to make such a huge trek, leaving family behind to adventure to Canada?
3: Well, I saw a movie called uh, Northwest Stampede. And I saw it many times. That really got me going. I wanted to go there to where they shot that movie and I wanted to become a cowboy.
0: And you lived out your dream. And
3: I did, yeah.
1: So did you ride horses as a kid?
3: I did in the Scotland, yes, jumpers.
0: Mom, you you didn't dream about becoming a cowboy. You just dreamt about marrying a cowboy. Oh, I
4: (laughs) dreamed about becoming a cowgirl. (laughs) (laughs) I I always loved horses, and uh, my girlfriend that uh, I grew up through going to school together, uh, elementary school and high school, we were always plotting that eventually we would come out west and uh, we would become cowgirls, and we did that.
0: You went once when you were in your last year of high school, right, and then you came again, or was it after?
4: No, we had graduated, and we worked and earned a little bit of money, and then we had also saved some through high school, and that was what funded us to come out for a holiday at a guest ranch in Alberta.
1: And how did you find that? Because there is no Google.
4: Um, we we just uh, investigated through advertising in uh, the paper and magazines, and that found a, a place that looked really interesting to us and uh, seemed to have a lot of good-looking cowboys.
3: Cannonask is that guest ranch? Yes. yes.
0: Oh, is that what it was? It was Cannonask. Cannonask oh. guest
4: ranch, and uh, when we arrived at the airport. <laughs> Uh, We thought we had died and gone to heaven because there was the epitome of a cowboy leaning there with a cigarette in his mouth and uh, the whole attire. And that's who was picking us up.
0: Dan picked you up?
4: No, no. <laughs> I didn't know Dad at that time. <laughs> there, was, there was more than one cowboy in Alberta.
0: Jimmy, Qu- It was Jimmy Quinn. Uh, actually, who Lynn and I met um, yeah. what was it, a couple, a few months ago. That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 He yes. still looks like a rugged cowboy. Yeah, is, oh,
4: yes, yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. So what, what year was that?
4: Oh, gosh, let me just think about that. That would have been about 1964. Uh, 60, no, 1961.
0: Sixty-one.
4: When we first went out west.
0: But you didn't meet dad for a few years.
4: Uh, I was out west for about a year and a half. We had moved out west and uh, I was out there for about a year and a half before I met your dad.
0: Oh, okay.
4: So it probably was in uh, September of 64 that I met your dad for the first time.
1: So tell us about the first time you saw each other.
4: Well, I actually had known all the same people as he knew in the horse crowd and uh, anyway, I'd never met him. And so one night I was at a party for, um, uh, it was actually an anniversary party for one of the wardens and his wife in the park. And uh, I was just sitting there minding my own business on the sofa and uh, dreaming about cowboys (laughs) and the door opens and in walks this tall handsome cowboy with a guitar that was like added flavor (laughs) over uh, his shoulder and he just looked at me across the room walked over it got down on one knee and asked me to marry him
0: what were you thinking walking across the room and just saying will you marry me
3: well I had never met her before Because I was always out in the backcountry. That's what I did. I worked, taking out guided rides. But you had seen her before? No, I'd never seen her. But uh, I'd had a few drinks and uh, went into the the house and there was a whole bunch of people there. And I looked across the room and I saw this beautiful blonde. And I thought, that's for me. And I (laughs) I walked right across the room. Like she said, I got down on one knee and asked her to marry me
0: totally fearless walking across there cowboys don't have fear
3: no exactly. just, was, there's no fear in cowboys i was just kidding you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she's held it, held you to it for 55 years <laughs>
3: oh, so goodness. that was and
0: you first came to alberta that was mid 50s or how long 53, 53. 90,
3: 1953 yeah
0: but what i love too is that you guys you know you you met back in the 60s dad you you've been to banff in banff and in alberta since the 50s but then you, you met, you got married, you had moved away to Vancouver and we were born, but you lived your whole lives, but you came back to where you first met. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like It was like, what, 45, 50 years later. That's, yeah, that's right. right. Living yes. back in Alberta again, back yeah. in the Rocky Mountains. Yes. We're back
3: in yeah. Banff.
4: It was meant to be.
0: It was meant to be, but that's like the fairy tale. So somebody that doesn't know Banff and doesn't know the beauty um, out that way, what would you say, what drew you to come back?
4: Oh, well, the mountains for one thing and friends that we had had for over 50 yeah. years. Well, the thing about the mountains too is that they look different just about every hour of the day depending on what angle you're looking at them from and uh, that never gets old. Mm-hmm. Oh. Every day I say to your dad, another day in paradise.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Well, I, I love that when you uh, tell, told us a story though years ago, you said that here, you know, you, you met mom and you need to go back out on the road uh, or up, not on the road, off the road, up into the mountains. You needed a new cook. And yeah. she hadn't cooked a day in her life. But she was this pretty young lady that you met. Oh, so yeah. you decided to hire her on as your cook and bring her up yeah, into the mountains. That's
3: right. I told her too that uh, she had to prove herself because people on those trips way out in the wilderness have to be well fed. So I said I would take her out on three trips. First one, I'd show her how to do the cooking. Second one, she could practice. Third one, to prove herself. Well, the first trip we went out on, we had six people. And when we got there, we found there was 30 Boy Scouts in the cabin with uh, three leaders. And uh, we said, well, you guys better just stay there. So we just moved across the meadow and set up our camp. After a little while, Joanne was getting our dinner ready. The couple of the leaders came over with a bunch of packages in their hands, asking her, what do I do with this? <laughs> and she wound up cooking for our six guests and 30 Boy Scouts and three leaders. My gosh. Whoa, oh, this woman's a keeper. <laughs> yeah. Hired. Well, now
0: you're one of the best cooks we know.
3: Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs>
0: Thank you. We don't get out much. You We're know. <laughs> yeah. the Ramsey competition. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: After the first back trip. You've proved yourself. How long did you guys do the back trips for? Oh Was my goodness. Several sweet. years?
4: Oh, oh yeah. a long, yeah. long time. Over yeah. 10 years? Yeah. Well, we waited 10 years before we had a family and that's what we were doing during that time. Now I worked at a law firm in Vancouver and uh, for all of 32 years before we moved back to Alberta. and uh, But I used to uh, get every summer off Uh, Because the courthouses were closed, so the girls that were doing the litigation, I did all the real estate, they would take over my job and I was able to get away. So we would take our horses back up to Banff at that time.
3: Well, at the same time, I was working in the movie business. And uh, so I would just not take any movies during the summer. And we would both head up to the mountains and spend all the summer up in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Mm -hmm. Well, we it need is. To start doing that.
0: Oh yeah, we should do it. so once a year at least to go up there. Actually, I loved how clear the one night we sat out. And we saw the, the northern lights. Yeah, it was so clear out there. There's no pollution. No, there's no noise either. All you hear is nature. Nice. As young kids, one of the most fun things for us was when, you know, Dad, you taught me to play the guitar, and then you, Jonathan, and me, we would go and sing at church functions and whatnot. That's right. And then our whole family, Mom, and and sometimes JD would join. We would uh, sing for, you know, neighbors and friends and events and stuff. Um, I I love that, but all we were ever taught were country songs and Scottish folk songs. Yeah. And that's all we ever knew. So as I got a little bit older, I actually... I really love just turning on that same kind of music in the background instead of just hip hop and R&B in today's top forty. I love to put on Scottish folk music. Yeah. It just has a it has a calming effect for me.
1: What's the one you always play?
0: Uh, well, Go Lassie, Go. Oh yeah, was one of the first songs that you taught me. Wild,
3: wild Mountain Time.
0: Wild Mountain Time. I'll play it for you guys on social media. I'll do a little a little video for you guys. Yeah. But um, actually, we should do it together. We'll both play and i will sure, we'll post it. Yeah. But uh, what was, so when you learned the guitar, though, you didn't know how to play the guitar when you first came to Alberta, right?
3: No, no, I I was actually working on a cattle ranch called the 7U, and there's a fellow there by the name of Fred McQuaid, and he had this old Stella guitar, you know, it was a $5 guitar. And he only knew about three chords, and, but I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> and so I kept watching him at night after work, we'd sit in the bunkhouse and he'd strum his three chords and i I've got to learn to do that. And I made a deal with him. I had a Western shirt that he kind of fancied, so I traded my shirt and $5 for this guitar.
0: You traded the shirt off your back to become a singing cowboy. And,
3: and, and Fred taught me those three chords. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did he teach you how to dance as well? Well, actually, yeah, we were... <laughs> back then, you know, of course... Saturday night, we'd go da- to the dances, but we had to drive a long way to get to a dance place. And anyway, he uh, he knew how to dance. I didn't know how to dance. So here we are, two cowboys at the end of the day in the bunkhouse, and t- Fred's teaching me how to dance.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so what was it, like line dancing or?
3: No, no, just... Uh, what do you call that kind two, of dance? Two-step. 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 Yeah. One
4: two-step. You were on Dancing with the Stars? Yeah. He, would, with- he would be on Cowboys
1: Dancing with the Stars.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah No, exactly. da- Dancing with the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is something a lot of people don't know about cowboys. But you know how cowboys wear spurs with big rolls? Yeah. Well, they're not really for use on a horse. It's when the cowboy gets too drunk... And he topples over, you grab him by the shoulders, and you can wheel him out.
0: <laughs> There's a story you told us about uh, you and Scotty. And there were a bunch of uh, guys from, from Europe or somewhere that were coming to pick a fight with some cowboys in the bar.
3: Yeah. What was that story? Oh, yeah. Well, we were all in the, the bar in the, the Rundle. And, uh, this is back in the 60s? Uh, actually, yeah. It was before that. Maybe before that, in the 50s. Oh, wow. Uh, there, was, there was this one fellow who was with us. He was a bit of a loudmouth, and And there was a bunch of Greek fellas sitting at the table next to us. And and he kept aggravating them. You know, they were doing nothing. It was this fellow that was with us. When the, the, the bar let out and we come out, he disappeared. And so I went out onto the street and I was immediately surrounded by six big fellas and the, the uh, Greek guys, the Greek guys and so they were going to punish me for what uh, this other fella said. I never had said anything to these guys. So I'm standing and wondering what I'm gonna do and I thought well by gosh you know this looks like a I'm gonna take a lick in here <laughs> and then I hear a little voice at my shoulder there it was my friend Scotty Horn. And he's standing, it's just a little fella. And he's standing there with a ice cream in his hand, licking an ice cream, and he says, You need some help, Lucky? And the the amazing thing about this whole thing is that these six guys just disappeared. <laughs> so two two cowboys. We're too much
0: for six big Greek guys to handle. It was the,
3: it was the ice the cream. Ice corn. cream.
1: <laughs> yeah. See, ice cream can save the world. Oh my gosh,
0: that's hilarious! Yes. So, your younger years—if you're being honest with us—be honest. Were you short tempered? Were you? I mean, you grew up. Your dad was a champion boxer. Yeah. So you grew up on the scrappy streets of Scotland.
1: Drew, Drew wants to know because he wants to know who to blame for his short temper. Yes.
0: Well, <laughs> from time to time, I, I can have a, a bit of a short temper. But so, how how were you growing up uh, as a kid? Were you scrappy, or were you getting into fights, or or not? Were you the one always kind of avoiding?
3: No, I I wasn't. Transition? I wasn't a troublemaker, but. My dad, like you say, was a champion boxer. And so from the time I can first remember, he was training me to box. And uh, any time I, I got into trouble, you know, there's bullies in schools. So I was always able to take care of myself.
0: Yeah.
4: yeah. And sometimes you took care of other people. Yeah, sometimes, were
3: yeah. That's right. Well, that, that's what
0: I found growing up too. Both Jonathan and I, I mean... In our school, kids knew us as the karate kids because we, Jonathan and I were both um, taking karate and wearing black belts, belts. yeah. And um, we found, we were never instigators. I think karate taught us discipline so we wouldn't be out there picking fights. We would usually try and talk our way out of it. However, if we were in a situation, we knew how to handle ourselves. And most of the time, I actually found us sticking up for somebody else who was being bullied. That's right. And so it's almost sort of, I don't know, for lack of better terms, bullying the bully a little bit, but... It's, uh, it was definitely something that was nice to know that I could handle myself if I had to, but I definitely did not like getting into confrontations. No. Unlike mom, who was a total thug. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and
0: Linda. Linda, mm-hmm. oh man, you don't want Better to see ones, her. Yeah. 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 My <laughs>
1: rainbow belt.
0: She yells at me all the time. She's so mean.
2: Because
1: <laughs> you okay. beat me in Sudoku.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's game nights. Game nights make <laughs> us uh, fight like no one's business. What no. about Scrabble? <laughs> well oh my god. We don't even want to get into Scrabble. Mom's new obsession. So mom has always been good at Scrabble. Uh, over the years we played it as kids and whatnot. Now she's well,
1: discovered the app.
0: Yeah, Jonathan showed her the app and he put she's it addicted. On my phone. She put it Jonathan put it on her phone. She doesn't even message to say goodnight anymore. She just messages to say
1: your turn. Drew,
0: your turn. Make sure you go before you go to bed. Did you play your turn before you go to bed? Love you, but make sure to play your turn. I know
1: you're in a meeting, but play yeah, your
0: turn. Yeah. Uh, we were I was shooting a commercial. I was up on a horse. I was riding this, uh, it was a horse and wagon. I was up on this and mom was there on set watching. She's literally crying right now. because <laughs> She knows this is so true. I'm in a scene with a horse and my phone's dinging. Ding, ding, ding. I'm like, what is it? I look, is this like an emergency? And mom's like, I know you're up on the horse right now on camera, but can you play your move? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, don't ha- I don't
4: have a life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scrabble life.
0: Uh, it's the hard scrabble life. <laughs> it's <laughs> a hard scrabble
1: life.
0: <laughs> what, when you were a kid, what, what was your dynamic with your siblings or at, at school? Were you the friend with everyone? or
1: Oh, I was the bully.
0: <laughs> yeah right. if someone got in the way of you and ice cream
4: she bullied yeah. people with an ice cream
0: yeah
1: <laughs> no I always um, I always felt I got along with everyone and I think being part of a big family helps with that because you have to learn how to get along with so many different personalities I think within us five siblings we're each of us is the black sheep because we're all so different
0: oh yeah Definitely.
3: Good sheep.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. So actually, that that's a good um, question for you guys. How do you find... So dad, you were born in the 30s. Mom, you were born in the 40s. Um, I'm not going to tell you their exact ages.
4: Oh, I don't care.
0: 75 and 85. How, how have things changed? How, how have you noticed change in the world from how you were raised with what you know especially in Scotland as well, as opposed to in Canada, as to how things are now?
3: Back in the days when I was a boy, there were no cars on the roads to speak of at all. There was horses pulling wagons. Oh, wow. And of course, now there's a lot of traffic on the roads. That's the big change there.
0: But yeah, so what was was your dynamic at home?
3: Well, of course, when I was a boy, World War II was in full swing. We lived about uh, 28, 30 miles from Glasgow. And, then, and your dad also
0: worked in the coal mines um, yeah. for how many how many years did he do that
3: well he started working his, his father owned a mine and so about that time he he'd probably be about 16 17 and he that's when he started boxing amateur after a while he went professional His name was Dan Scott, Daniel Scott. But his mother was totally against this, so he fought under the name of Tom King.
0: Oh, wow.
3: He was very well known in Scotland. He fought uh, three times for the British Empire Championship. That was middleweight. You know, everywhere we went in Scotland, he was recognized just like you are. Well,
0: mm-hmm. And and to think back in those days, they didn't have TV no, or social media or anything. No, no TV. So it was it would have just been like newspapers showing yeah, his face. That's and, right.
3: Yeah, and he. I remember one time Joanne was there. We, uh, my dad and my stepmother Joanne and I went for a trip up in the Highlands, and we're way up there in the Highlands at Newton Moor. and everywhere we had gone before, people come up to him and and say, "I want to shake your hand." If, Dan Scott the boxer and uh, so up in Newton Moore I said well we go into the pub here for a drink nobody's going to know him here away up there and we walked in the door and immediately this little guy came over and says you're big Dan Scott the boxer <laughs> mm,
0: that's amazing <laughs> and he, he you said he had hands like shovels that's where
3: you get your big hands
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah. but mine look a little nicer than rough and rugged yeah. boxer
1: and that's, hands that's who JD is named after right
3: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Jim's Daniel. Yeah. J.D.'s named after you as Scottish tradition. Your eldest son carries your name.
3: No, no, carries my dad's name. Grandpa's name. name.
0: Yeah. Okay, but but also James then. Yeah. So is that is that common as well or?
3: Uh, well, it, it's not uncommon, put it that way.
0: So J.D. has uh, Grandpa Dan's name and your name. Yes. John Ian Scott- so Jonathan got your my brother's my name. My brother's, yeah. And then, so Ian, which is Gaelic for John, so you basically called him John John. <laughs> uh, and then I got the initials Ass. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Alfred, Alfred Scott.
3: Uh, you were, that was after your mum's father. Yeah, yeah. Alfred, Alfred.
0: And Andrew was the patron saint of Scotland. That's
3: right. I had to get yes. that in somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, so mom, you're growing up. Um, tell us a little bit more. In the 40s, in Canada, you have a brother. Um, what was it like growing up in your neighborhood?
4: So he's five years older than I am. And I can remember when he got his first job, he was working for my uncle who owned a hardware store.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And um, we we always got along really well, but uh, there wasn't a lot of, you know, Lovely things said between us, you know, but we just, you know, we did love each other. So that
0: five-year gap when you're younger, it feels like yeah, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
4: I don't know, I was probably about nine when uh, he got that job. But from his first paycheck, he bought me a watch, Aww. gave me a watch. I never forgot that. I thought, oh my God, he really does love me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm still wondering about that for Jonathan and JD. Do they like me? Do they really like me? Yeah. And so your was dad true. was a salesman. Yes. Door-to-door. Yes. And well,
4: did- yeah, um, he worked for primarily for Imperial Oil. So it wasn't like you're going door-to-door trying to get customers. He's presented with... the uh, the contacts, and then he just goes out and meets with them and signs up the contracts, that sort of thing.
0: I didn't know that. I actually, I thought he sold different products.
4: Oh, at one time, okay, one time he was a salesman. He (laughs) sold wherever, which Mm -hmm. was cookware. And uh, so his claim was that he could cook an entire meal using this wherever over a candle. Uh And that's what he used to do like people wouldn't if people didn't believe him he would show them how that was possible to do
0: I don't understand
4: So don't complain when you're cooking on a stove
0: uh-huh. So I I can remember I, I want I still even with today's technology I don't understand how that that would work
4: Well unfortunately my dad isn't here to back up the story but I know that it was true
0: <laughs> So I don't have a lot of memories of our grandparents, because they weren't around uh, for most of my life, I, I have one memory of your dad. And from your mom, I know that she had uh, Alzheimer's. And so when I, I remember seeing her, I went to on Toronto with you, and I remember seeing her um, in the facility where she was. And I remember walking in and thinking, because she was older, and uh, she didn't know who I was, but she did have a moment of recognition with you, because I remember you saying it was on and off. Um, at that oh, time. that's yeah. right. A- yes. Alzheimer's.
4: Yeah, I mean, they have moments of clarity, and that depends on how far into the whole process they are. But, uh, I mean, as she got uh, worse with the Alzheimer's, she would still seem to uh, enjoy our presence when we were there, and we would uh, tell her stories, we would sing songs, and we always got a smile. And uh, so, I mean, I figured I didn't know what was going on in her mind if she really knew who we were. But the fact that we were giving her enjoyment, that that made me
0: happy. I do remember you mentioning to me before we went there, not to be upset if she doesn't know who I am, mm-hmm. um, not to be upset if she doesn't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember, even as a little kid, when we were there, at first I wasn't sure if she, she knew who we were, but then she said something. I, I can't remember if she said Joe or she said something, but she said something where she knew who you were.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember thinking, oh, wow, so she is still mm-hmm. in there. And she, yeah, she knows. And then, on Dad, on your side of the family, um, I never got to meet your dad. He passed away the year before I was yeah. born. Yeah. And I didn't get to meet your mom because she passed away when you were a kid.
3: When I was 15. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but I knew Granny Jean. Granny yeah, Jean yeah. was was your Step, dad's stepmother. Yeah, stepmom, your your dad's second wife, and she and her sister Aunt Mary were amazing. And I remember even at five years old going to Scotland, staying at their place, playing. We had that punching tree across oh, the street, was a punching tree. That soft tree that we would just pretend we were karate masters and a bunch. But all the little, just the little things. So, what was life with Granny Jean?
3: Like? Oh, she was very good to us, and. uh I recall now when we were over there and you, I don't know what age you would be, maybe about seven or eight. The Uh, first time we went was
0: when I was five. The second time was when I was 10. And the third time was when I was 15.
3: Yeah, the time, I think, uh, well, it was a time that JD wasn't too happy because he didn't have any friends there. But you guys did. You had a whole bunch of friends. And so... We had been going around castles and stuff like that. So you were right into the medieval thing. And so you made yourself a bunch of swords from wood, wooden swords. And uh, I remember you had rigged up something for armor. And you had a pose on your head or something, you know, for helmets. Do you remember Wait, that? Wait, what's a chanty pose? <laughs> well,
1: pantyhose?
3: Chantipose. pose. <laughs> Pot. Oh, like a pot, oh, (laughs) and uh, and so it was really funny. You would be out there all day long, fighting all these battles in the woods by where the punching tree was, and your mom would come to call you to come in for lunch, and so she'd call in the the trees, and you would hear a voice away out there and and among the trees coming, and and you'd come out of the woods dragging these great big wooden swords behind you. I do
0: remember that. Actually, I think we have a couple of photos somewhere of of us with the pots on our heads. Yeah, the ultimate warrior.
4: Well, you were, you've been talking about Scotland and your experiences there. And uh, what about your experiences with different castles that we were in with movable walls and... Oh, yeah. yeah. Carbisdale
0: Castle. I mean, I blame both of you for getting me obsessed with medieval times, castles, uh, armor, swords, mm-hmm. old coins and old, old antiques and collectibles because... Mm-hmm. The first time we went... You had been talking about it for, you know, so long. And then we went to Scotland when I was five years old. And then you took us to these castles. And you took us to these places that had hidden doors, trap doors, and secret secret rooms and secret passages.
3: Well, do you remember at Carbisdale Castle, uh, there was a ghost, two ghosts, actually. Do you remember? No, three Three ghosts. ghosts. Three Three ghosts, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, one was uh, a piper who... uh, for some reason, he was up in the ramparts piping and somebody came and pushed him over the side Yeah, and killed him. And so his lady love was so uh, taken with that broken hearted that she jumped to her death from the side. That was two of the ghosts. And the third was the lady who owned the castle. And she only ever showed up in the men's washroom.
0: Yeah, the old lady. But that's what... so. We were staying in the castle, and uh, we remember hearing these three stories. The older woman, usually only in the men's bathroom, yeah. uh, and then the uh, the piper and then his lover.
3: Well, all those castles in Scotland, they, a lot of them are ruins, and they all have their ghosts. Mm-hmm. And one thing they
4: don't have is indoor plumbing. Yeah. you remember that? <laughs> in ancient times. Oh, yeah. They didn't have indoor plumbing. Yeah.
0: Well, no, that's what... They have the little hole in the, the side bucket. of the wall. Yeah. No, yeah. so literally all the... Waste just kind of pours out the side of the castle and down the wall. Yeah. So it didn't look as clean and organized as what we would like to have today. No. <laughs> what was it when we went to Scotland? What did you find the most fun? Because I, I kept telling you all these stories and we traveled all around up into the highlands. Yeah.
1: I just love seeing the ruins along, you know, a random field. You're just driving down and there's an old castle. It's just sitting there.
0: Yeah, untouched. Yeah. I remember finding little pieces. You you go to the, <clears throat> the gift shop of a castle. And you see some of the old antiques from back, you know, 10th century, 11th century, pots, buckles, all these different things. And then we would explore and we would be shoving our hand in every little crevice we could find to see if we'd find anything. I'm surprised we didn't get, you know, attacked by spiders or whatever else, but we did. We found, I I have a little collection of pieces of pottery and stuff that were back from the... 1500s and, and back.
3: Yeah, that was so cool. at Need Path Castle. Yeah. You found that Castle Dangerous, it was called. Castle yes.
0: Dangerous, and you were letting us shove our hands everywhere we could <laughs> and all these little crevices. <laughs> yeah. So
1: when you guys, the three of you, were kids running around, did you guys ever worry about them? Or I, I, we always talk about when when we have kids, would we allow them to just roam the woods and, and the forests? And-
3: well, to you know, some degree, you know, you have to kind of keep your eye on them. Yeah. So dad had a rule.
0: When we were up, because we were backed onto the the forestry, so where where our house was, literally we could go for a hundred miles up into the into a thousand the miles. forest. Yeah, a thousand miles. And so Dad's rule was, you have to stay within my whistle. So we wherever we go, we can go to whatever limit that we could still hear his whistle. So I remember you tested it with us one time because we had a fort mm-hmm. up north of our property in the, in the trees. And so we went to it, and Dad said, "Okay, in ten minutes, I'm going to do my whistle, and if you can't hear me, you got to come back because you're too far away." <laughs> And so um, I remember he had a very loud whistle. He does it where he puts you know his finger and his thumb in his mouth, and it's a super loud whistle. Or no, you do you two fingers, right? Yeah. I do. I, he taught me to do it, but I couldn't do it with my finger, so I do it with my finger and my thumb. You know my obnoxious loud whistle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dad taught me that, and that was all because of the fort to make sure we weren't going too far away. Yeah, did you, well, Did I you mean, tell... Sorry. Sorry, you go ahead.
4: Did you tell Linda never to be out of whistle range?
0: So I have a leash. I just keep... Uh, <laughs>
3: Well, where we, where we lived there at Mill Creek Farm, we were on the edge of the wilderness, you know, like just beyond us, Golden Goldenears Park. You could go for a thousand miles or more. Yeah. where there was nothing. And there's, there was a lot of bears and cougars and stuff there. So,
0: Oh, yeah, um, we encountered bears in our house. So we, we had a five-acre parcel, and it was a private road. So up past us, there were only two more houses, um, uh, on the road, but the road kind of came up, wrapped around our, our property over to these others. So up at the corner of our property, um, people would come up the private road and party there all the time. And so I remember one time, dad looks up there and he's like, oh, there's somebody partying up there again. I'm gonna go kick them off the property because they would always leave a mess or they would start a fire right right there, like a bonfire or something. Mm. And uh, anyway, so dad goes marching up there because he saw somebody, actually he thought it was somebody on a horse that was up there and he's, and the horse trail was on our property, but people aren't supposed to come off the trail and hang out on our property. So dad goes marching all the way up to the corner and he's not really looking up ahead and he marches all the way up until he's about 10 feet or 20 feet away from the person on their horse. And he looks up and it's a bear eating berries. Big black bear. Yeah, big black bear on our property. So he quietly just backs away and- Oh, it's you. Oh. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. You can do whatever you like, yeah.
4: As, as far as the property that we had there in Maple Ridge, it, it was a horse farm. So we had uh, lots of horses there. And the great thing was that the riding trails were all-weather riding trails, and they went right by our door.
0: Yeah, actually, literally the, the government trails, like the, the city trails, were mm-hmm. on our property.
4: Yeah. So you were able to ride up in the park with never having to cross a road. It was great.
3: Uh, this was a, a huge park, mm-hmm. Golden Ears Park, and uh, Alouette Lake. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, actually, I remember, I mean, I think because the trail was right there, that gave you guys a little more confidence that we could go off on our own and ride a little bit and you weren't too worried. Of course,
3: we didn't let them ride by themselves till they were older, you know, at least three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, How old were we when you first put us on a horse? Oh, well. It was
4: pre-birth. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Your mother was riding when she was pregnant with you up until about seven months.
4: That was JD. Oh. With them, uh, it would have been
3: about three months.
0: We were on horses, though, really young. I mean, you started us riding, yeah. what, two, two, three years old?
3: By, no, two-year-old, you were riding by on, by yourself, yeah.
4: But before that, you would be right sitting right in
3: front of us Yeah, uh, yeah. on a horse.
0: Before Lin- you could even run. Linda looks confused. So I, ro- I rode before I could even walk.
3: Yeah, uh, barely. But... Uh, that would just be in the riding ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, things can still go wrong in a riding ring.
3: Ringo looked after you.
0: Yes, we had a horse that was in the movies. His name was Ringo, and um, he ended up. He he died when he was thirty uh, two. Thirty two. Yeah. But he, for years he was in the movies. He was so smart. He could open a door. He could untie a knot. Turn the water he, on. Turn on taps. Um, he he was such a smart horse, but. T- tell us when you first found him. He actually, you thought he was just going to be put down because he was unmanageable.
3: Well, he was uh, a pony horse at the racetrack. He, The horse that they lead the horses out with, you know, to, to control them. And uh, he did well there, of course, for a while. He was eight years old. But then he started rearing up and coming right over backwards. And so the staff there at the racetrack wouldn't ride them anymore. And uh, at this time, uh, Joanne's, one of Joanne's bosses was, owned was a partner in this Ford Inn Farms where the racehorses were kept and Ringo was there. So he they wanted to get rid of Ringo. And uh, so you take it from there.
4: Oh, well, I started negotiating with them. This is when I worked at the law firm. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we never liked to pay big money for our horses. We usually bought horses that were problems for other people, and then your dad would just give them a bit of retraining. Or young. Or young. Yeah, they could be young horses. Um, anyway, so this uh, Ringo, this was a- about in his eighth year. Yeah, he was eight. And uh, so... Um, no, they wouldn't come down in price. And then finally I said, you know, you might as well just put this horse down if you're not going to sell them and not going to use them, you know. And uh, so they agreed to sell them to us, uh, which was good because I did not want to have him put down. And uh, so we took the horse for $150. Oh,
0: my gosh. $150. Which, which was
4: more money back in the day, but uh, still. Um, and your dad had a few exciting oh. moments with him when he was retraining him. But. So, so
0: the, and again too, just to clarify, so with horses and riding, the most dangerous thing possibly for somebody riding a horse is if the horse goes up and over backwards. Well,
3: that's what I would say definitely,
0: Yeah, yes. Because yeah. most horses have common sense yeah. not to go rear up and then fall yeah. backwards because it doesn't feel good on them either. No. But imagine you have no chance of getting off that well, horse. Well, it's hard
3: to get out of the saddle. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: And that's like 1,200 pounds coming over yeah. on you.
0: Yeah, and so basically Ringo goes from being this horse that's, Deliberately doing things that could kill a human. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. To loving children and you could put any child on that horse and all of you learn to ride on him. Mm.
0: And what I love too is he 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 was he was truly a loving horse. Like Mm. with you think us little kids you know, you, We were taught never to walk up behind a horse because even a good horse every now and then could kick and a horse's kick can do major damage to a human. Surprise him, yeah. But we were running around. I can remember as a kid, I would walk underneath his legs, like under his belly. Um, mm-hmm. he, we would walk over with a halter. He'd bring his head all the way down for us and then an adult would walk over with a halter and he'd put his head all the way up <laughs> yeah. so they right. couldn't yeah. reach. Yeah, but exactly. uh, he really did love us. There was one time, Jonathan, uh, not being the smart brother, Um, we, so we would be down at the corral and you would have us in the, the tax shed. So where all the hay and the, the, the equipment is you would have us there to be safe because we would have all the horses and we had whatever, whatever it was, a dozen or so horses would all come running in at feed time. They know it's time to get fed. And so they all come racing in and we didn't want to get injured. My dad would keep us safe. Well, while we're standing in the tax shed, it has the, the slats of wood we can see through and Jonathan thinks he sees a nickel out in the in the corral area so he's like oh nickel and then he opens the door and he runs out to grab it right as all these horses are racing in so he could have been trampled yeah and uh, I remember like Jonathan remembers too we were watching and Ringo breaks ahead of the pack because Jonathan's out there and all the horses are almost right on top of him Ringo breaks out ahead of the pack he runs right over he kind of bumped he bumped Jonathan with his chest and Jonathan so kind of fell to the ground. He stood over top of Jonathan. That's right,
3: yeah.
0: All the horses ran by yeah. and then he walked He walked past Jonathan yeah. without hurting him. Yeah. Like, how is a horse smart enough to do that, to protect oh, yeah. somebody like I think Ringo you
1: know, needs to be a Pixar movie.
0: He does wow. need to be a Pixar <laughs> movie and it's got <laughs> the perfect name too. <laughs> yeah, I think no, you've
4: he... got it wrong. He saw the nickel too
3: yeah. and he <laughs> was trying to get it yeah, to first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this could get me a carrot. <laughs> No, that's right. He, well, he was a babysitter, you guys, you know, when you were little. He really looked after you. Yeah, he did.
1: Mm-hmm. How did you guys manage so many horses and three kids?
3: <laughs> the horses were no trouble. <laughs>
4: <laughs> With uh, having children and having horses, it's actually a good combination because yeah. you're introducing the children mm. to the horses and uh, getting them used to Animals and a love of animals. I think that's why you guys love animals t- to this day. Yeah, yeah. And Brandy, yeah. And uh, our first dog, uh-huh. Brandy. Yeah. 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 And and remember when we used to have the children's camps?
0: Oh
2: yeah.
4: Yeah. And uh, so we w- what we would do is we would set up tents outside um, on the farm, and um, we would have children come for the camps, and they would stay for a weekend, and they'd uh, get lessons in horsemanship. How to care for the horse and uh, then let me let me just clarify. Lessons. Let me
0: just clarify in riding lessons and all that. But how to care for a horse? Basically, my parents had these families pay to have their kids come and shovel the horse stalls. <laughs> oh, no,
1: that's, <laughs> that's part of
0: it. Yeah, it's an important part of it. It was fun. I mean, doing those camps, it was like a tease of what you could get up in the mountains, like what you used to do. Yeah. I just am still blown away that you guys would take people away for up to a month. And you would still give them five-course meals and all these amazing oh, yeah. meals, but it's literally whatever you've packed on the horse or whatever you catch in the lake.
3: Well, people used to say, your mom was cooking meals out there in the back country. They would say, we don't eat this good at home. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and there's no corner stores up there. So once you leave the, the trailhead, that's it. You don't see another probably human being, and uh, definitely no stores or any place where you can resupply.
0: No Starbucks on the corner? You might see a grizzly or two. (laughs) That, growing up, so Linda and I experienced a little bit of this, but growing up, I did not like, we we used to camp all the time, and I loved camping, but sometimes you would take us camping when it was just a little too cold to be out there or a little too wet, and so my my mom and dad had these nylon tents, and these, these things were like golden to them. Like all, they always talked about how amazing these tents were and they were awesome and they were great until a drop of water touched the side of the tent and then the whole tent floor was wet and so i remember growing up some uh, or waking up in the morning and being my sleeping bag was soaking wet and it was the most disgusting thing in the world and that made me never want to camp on those cold wet days
3: no, that was only the tent we gave you. Yeah. <laughs> All the other tents were good.
0: Mom's giving me a look of disgust right now. Like, how dare you say that about my nylon tents?
3: So anyway,
4: you won't remember this, but when you, we camped with you even when you were really little. So you were just like crawling around. And uh, so the one uh, problem that we had was keeping you in your sleeping bag. <laughs> and so what we ended up doing was taking, you know, the huge diaper pins that you had that... Yeah. They kind of locked and uh, we would diaper pin you in mm. to mm. your sleeping bag. <laughs> so you still migrated all over the tent during the night. Oh my but you in my
0: sleeping your sleeping bag. <laughs> Thank you. I've never heard that story. That's yes. hilarious. I'm sure there's some sort of like... Uh, M- mistreating of children with that, t- tying <laughs> no, them in. No, because
4: diaper pins, uh, they had like a little clip thing on the Safety the, clip. Yeah, safety clip. So That is hilarious. You weren't going to stab yourself.
0: Well, what about our cribs when we were growing up? You used to also have the hard time of us getting out of our cribs. Well, mm. that
4: was what, yeah. And so what I fashioned was just like with cheesecloth kind of a thing, a little covering that tied on each corner and that would just keep you in there long enough that you would fall asleep. And uh, then it was fine. That was fine until uh, you just decided to start undoing each of the corners. You figured that out. But JD, he didn't have that, of course. He had graduated to a bed. And uh, so anyway, he says, oh, I want a tent.
0: (laughs) So he went over his his bed, he wanted a tent. And I I think it was so funny, he used to say, you would tuck us in, into our cribs, and Mm -hmm. you would see Jonathan and I would start to like doze off and we looked like we're sleeping children. And then you quietly slip out of the room and you shut the door. And the moment you shut the door, you hear some noise. Mm -hmm. And so you open the door again and we're on the floor playing.
2: Well, that was
4: in the middle of the night. Uh, And the thing was, um, before we had children, I was a very sound sleeper. Like, that's it. I'm gone for the night. Never wake up. Once we had children, I'm telling you, I could hear the flick of that light switch and I was out of bed.
3: (laughs) Well, I remember one Christmas, uh, of course, you guys were up buying at four o'clock in the morning, Christmas morning, and this one morning, uh, you guys were up, so we we were up, and but no JD, no Daniel, and uh, I thought, where is he? What's happening? So we went to check, and he's still in bed like this. And he's tucked in so tight, couldn't you?
2: <laughs> oh, Because J.D.
0: was always the first one up. When we were kids, yeah. he was the first one up and he would wake every... Actually, he sometimes wouldn't even wake us up. He would just go sit under the tree and look at the presents <laughs> and like be smiling to himself until we all got up. And then, yeah, that one, mo- that one morning, mom had tucked him in so tight. Well, <laughs> what I
4: used to do was on Christmas morning, I would have a, a string tied to your door and it would come around to ours. So when you opened yours, it closed our door because otherwise you guys would be sneaking <laughs> right. out. But the thing is, it only worked like once, and, and then, then they we knew what you out. were doing. So it's hilarious. because of something else. Of all
0: the moments, these precious, precious moments, you have to tell everybody how you felt about the fact that I was surprised. You did not know you were having twins.
2: Well,
4: I actually think it was probably a good thing because then I would have stewed for nine months, But, uh, you know, with it being a surprise, uh, no, I just swore for about the first time. (laughs) Yeah, so
0: mom was told by the doctor, you're just having one... One child, one big kid, yeah. and uh, and she, and she, you got pretty big with with both oh, of us was, in there. I was huge. So the doctors are like, nope, just one big baby. They didn't do an ultrasound, right?
4: Yes, but I must clarify because you guys are always saying they didn't have ultrasounds. I was not born in the like the last <laughs> century. <laughs> <laughs> no, we
0: always, we, say, we always they, tell people they they would only do ultrasound if there was a complication. Well,
4: no, they did have ultrasounds. It, it was a uh, choice I was probably given, but it wasn't something that I. Believed was necessary. And um, so they and also I didn't need to know the sex of the baby. We were quite happy no matter what we got, uh, even though we were hoping for three girls.
0: So, so no,
2: I'm just kidding. Well, I'm wait, kidding.
0: originally, so be- before JD was born, you guys talked about having kids. So dad, how many kids were you looking to have? Six. Originally? Six. Yeah. And then wow. JD was born and you're like, hell no, let's go for one more. No, no,
3: when you guys were born. <laughs> but... In the pre-delivery room, you your mom was hooked up to all these things, you know. Monitors. Monitors yeah. that uh, checked her pulse, you know, and the heartbeat of the baby. And you and Jonathan were in total sync. The doctor was a specialist and he figured there's just one baby.
0: Wow. And
3: so then. Until delivery. Jonathan was born.
0: Yeah. And let me just clarify, Jonathan was born with a squished head because I was sitting on it in the womb for nine months. Yeah. Uh, So he came out, and then what?
3: Four minutes later, well, the nurse said to the doctor while he was cleaning out Jonathan's mouth, "Uh, Doctor, I think there's another baby here.
4: And that's when I said, oh. mm."
0: Oh, no, this is podcast. You can say it.
4: Oh. Well, I am going want to say
0: that. I don't want to say it. I'll, put it. I'll put it in my mom's mouth. She uh, said, oh, shit. <laughs> Who'd want to put that in your
3: mouth? Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: and then Andrew came into the room. Well, when the nurse said, doctor, I think there's another baby here, the doctor says, you're kidding me. Okay,
0: so the doctor says, you're kidding me. Mom says, oh, shit. And then Andrew came.
3: no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm here, ready, guys. guys? <laughs> then Andrew came. End of the world, and he said, I'm ready for my close up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right away, ready for the cameras. I came out with perfect hair on my back. Um, so, what was it when you first introduced us to JD? Was that at the hospital or back home?
3: No, that would be at home. That I was think. at home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, what was his first impression of these two little weirdos? Well,
3: he said, take them back.
2: <laughs> no, no. no,
4: he couldn't believe it. Well, we had you in a bassinet, one at this end and one at that end, like the heads for that end. So, he's looking at that and looking at that. He couldn't believe it. But no, he was really good and he never was really jealous. No. no. You know, and, and we tried our best not to ever create that environment where he would feel that way. No, he was quite accepting. It was like another toy for him.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> and neither one of us has ever had a favorite. No, no, no. But
0: when when we stop recording, you can tell me who your favorite
1: is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but th- that is the one thing I I really notice is you guys are so fair and equal to all of your sons. Yeah. and and I remember you telling me that you would take them out individually so that you would still yeah. have alone time with That's each
4: right. of them. Because each one is an individual. Each one actually has different little idiosyncrasies about them and, and ideas. And if you, and sometimes um, you might be preventing one of them from actually getting his ideas into the picture if he's maybe the quieter one. And so it was always important for us to have our individual time and explore uh, explore. You know that relationship.
0: Yeah, and I remember it was individual time, but the two of you with each of us, each of you individually with each of us. Yes. Yes. So you guys actually did sort of t- trade off a little bit, and I, I actually yeah. still appreciate that. I really re- I remember that as a kid. I remember mm-hmm. dad at lunchtime you would pick us up sometimes and take us for for lunch instead of just eating at school, mm-hmm. and um, some of the different little adventures we would go on. So
4: back in at that time, um, I had gone back to work at the law firm. And uh, so your dad was working as a child and youth counselor. And so we had you in daycare, and, uh, which we did for a, a while. And, uh, but it was very expensive back then. It was like paying for a whole other human being to be full-time working for it you. It hasn't
0: changed now. No. So no
4: anyway, um, we started talking about it. And your dad said, well, maybe I could look after them. And actually that's way better for the whole family dynamic, even just for a husband and wife. It's very important to keep your your that dynamic together because when your dad would be away for three or four months, I'm in charge of the whole household. We had horses to be cared for and everything. And so that's a lot. And, oh, and so you have to uh, be totally organized. And then your dad would come back and all of a sudden he figured things were going to be done his way and I had mine all sorted out. And so it's a matter that it's better when you're you're in the... It's better the, when I was away. It's, yeah. no, no, it was not better when you were away. It's better when you're together and yeah. you're you, you got you're sharing your responsibilities all the time and it's, and everything just goes along much better.
0: Who do you think is going to want to be more in charge of making the rules you or me
2: me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: i uh i yeah. think I'll, I'll have some wonderful ideas i'll bring to the table and then you'll say okay That's perfect sweet. let's do it this way <laughs> no. yeah. yeah yeah
2: no we, it's, it's we we yes
1: we
0: it's always we
4: yeah no i mean it's really important that whole family dynamic and uh keeping it all together mhm yeah and it's not always easy, but it's good when you, uh, you're yes. able to
0: do that. So, Dad, we were at home. You were taking care of us while Mom was at work during the day at the at the law firm. What, what did you find? Did, did you find Jonathan and I especially had so much energy that you were trying to find somewhere for us to have an outlet for this energy because we were driving you nuts?
3: No, you weren't driving me nuts. I thoroughly enjoyed those days. I remember... Someone asked me recently you know, on, an interv- on an interview uh, if I was surprised that you fellas had uh, gone as far as you'd gone. And I said to him, not a bit. Because yeah. you were entrepreneurs, right? I think from the time you were in diapers. Oh, yeah.
0: My question is, who's interviewing you? <laughs> what are these, who are these secret interviews I don't know about? Somebody's digging for dirt on us. So what was it when we were young? I mean, I know we started our first business at seven years old, but what was it when we were younger that you saw that you thought was different?
3: Well, you and Jonathan were always up to something. Heads together, muttering, planning something. There was always something going on, wasn't there?
4: Well, you were always easy to involve in things. Whatever we suggested, how about this? Yes, you were right on it, and Keeners. and immediately your brains are working overtime thinking how you can even even improve on what we've suggested.
3: Take it over, you know? yeah.
4: So that was it was a lot of fun. It was fun for us and fun for you. And JD was more
3: laid back, than
0: but you
4: he did. in his younger years he he was right in on all of that yeah. as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting too because you you know you're the same people raising three kids, but um, the dynamic Jonathan and I. And we did everything together. So we're almost like one person. JD, um, you know, you raised us the same way, but we were very different growing up, which uh, again, it it always fascinates me. You know, people think I have to raise my kids a certain way to make them a certain way, but that's not how it works. You can't plan for everything, and personalities are always different. And JD went into his realm of, He did comedy. He had his comedy troupe YFG. He was writing. He was doing all these amazing things. Jonathan and I went in our own direction with um, some of our business things that we wanted to create and um, making those hangers at seven years old and getting into clowning, magic acting.
3: Jam enterprises.
0: Jam enterprises. But uh, yeah, what was, do you think there were things that you did as parents that would have helped shape that um, sort of that wonder that we had and that creativity that we had as kids?
4: Well, encouraging you for one thing, not to isolate yourself, to participate in, in your everyday life and in other people, celebrate other people. Like everybody has a story and everybody wants to tell their story. So like some children tend to be very shy and withdrawn, but we always encourage you to not be like that, to actually be excited about participating in things with other people, other children, and and also to feel comfortable with adults. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Although, you know, I did give you the talk. What was the talk? talk? About don't talk to strangers. Oh, yes.
0: Well, no, we had that talk, but then there was another talk you had to give me too to say as well that sometimes it's good to let other people be the one to try and, and lead because I remember when we were younger, Jonathan and me especially, Anytime our teachers or anytime you guys had some sort of a project or something to be a part of with a group, we would automatically try and take the lead and be the, you know, what we were thinking was the most important role. And we were good at it. A lot of times we were really good at leading these projects, but then I wasn't appreciating the importance of letting other people try to lead or let other people try to bring their creative ideas to a project. And so honestly, I think that was one of the most important things that that I learned is that you know, and this works with Jonathan and me and the businesses that we run, is that I can have a great idea, but there can be many great ideas out there from different people, and working together will create ultimately the, the best idea. Yeah. That's right. Tell yeah. us, we need to know, um, Linda and I are now coming up on two years together, but you're coming up on 55 years together.
3: Yeah. Well, there's, there's an old saying about marriage. Uh, you pull better in double harness than with a single tree.
0: Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. I, I, it's a good cowboy term as well.
4: And for our 25th anniversary, the fellow that brought me to the, the ceremony, the wedding ceremony in his car, Robin, uh, he gave us a wagon wheel. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. he said, you're still rolling the same... Rolling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Keep rolling. Keep uh-huh.
0: rolling.
4: We're still rolling in the same corral. That's right. you,
0: know, yeah. you did tell me early on... Actually, you probably said this to Linda and me. Um, when we were in Puglia for the wedding, you gave us the one piece of advice, never go to bed angry. That's
4: right.
0: Yeah, so if there's ever a problem or ever frustration, no matter how mad you might be, you want to storm out, yeah. and you want to just go spend a night on your own or whatever it might be, never go to bed angry, talk it out, and it will always feel better by the morning.
3: That's right, yeah.
0: And I definitely appreciate that.
3: Well,
4: for... Us. I mean, we're only speaking for us. I don't know how it works with everybody, but I do think it's important to have common interests because um, sometimes it can be difficult if somebody feels I've given up a lot to be in this relationship, you know. And uh, we we had that common thing like I, you were a cowboy, I wanted to be a cowgirl. (laughs) I wanted to jump on your bandwagon.
0: <laughs> Cut! Yeah, Ooh. Linda, this is my parents. Her she up. Said it, my parents, gosh,
2: have
0: nightmares oh tonight.
4: <laughs> anyway, I was always in, interested when your dad was in the film business. I was right in there too. Like he would come home, and uh, maybe the, the they had it was nine o'clock at night. Every, uh, they were all going for dinner, and the director would say, "Yeah, we're changing the whole." set up for tomorrow, here's the changes, do it. And your dad would have to, at that time, the storyboards were all handwritten strips and all uh, that. A whole different thing. He'd be coming home, he'd get home about midnight and he'd have to be phoning actors. They're the only people in the world you can wake up in the middle of the night (laughs) and they're all for the phone call. Yeah, they won't yell at you. And and so I would be helping him with all this phoning and stuff. It was great when you helped
0: him with that because I saw your acting. And so when you would try and help him with acting (laughs) on camera, not so good.
2: <laughs> oh, remember, the,
0: remember the video we sent JD one year where he was in Australia? Oh
2: Yes. <laughs> and you're
0: super staged acting. We just we're doing a, a cute video for him to say we love you, we miss you over the holidays and <laughs> but M- mom and Dad had scripted this whole thing out that we were at Alouette Lake, the waters behind us. we would start with panning the camera over because Brandy, our dog would run across camera and then we would follow Brandy and then find us all sitting by a rock saying we miss you, JD. And I remember every time we cut to mom, you're acting, you were super stilted, stilted and you were like, hello, JD, or hello, Daniel, we miss you. And uh, anyway, so it's, you know, Meryl Streep could no teach wonder, you a few things. No wonder
4: he cried when he saw that. Yeah,
0: I'm going to find that video. I'm yeah. going to find that somewhere. He said
4: he cried hundred times.
0: So what would you say, if you can remember back in the day, what's some good advice that you had given us? I
4: think that to me, uh, an important thing is to be happy in yourself, live a happy life, get up in the morning and think I'm gonna have a good day and think in your mind uh, how you're gonna accomplish that. Be kind to people, be encouraging to people and uh, people will tend to gravitate more towards you if you give them a good feeling. So I think that uh, happy, uh, feeling uh, like you want to have a happy life actually helps you through a lot of struggles. And bad things are going to happen. You know that you're going to lose loved ones in your life, but uh, think of, think of uh, your life and your loved ones as appreciating the gift that you're given and having them in the first
3: place. And if somebody tells you it can't be done, find five ways to do it.
0: I honestly think that's one of the, the most memorable tidbits you gave us when we were kids is to say don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something find five ways to do it um literally as you saw as kids all the time people would say oh this this can't be done we should do something else and then jonathan i'll be the first ones in there to be like "Ah, actually we could do this we could do this we could do this Mm -hmm. and so it that really shaped us to never give up and Mm -hmm. and i do love what you're saying mom with the idea of waking up and you're almost putting yourself in a more happy state if you're thinking Happy thoughts. If you're appreciating every day, um, I I I do think that subconsciously, Linda and I actually kind of do that. I mean, we
4: well, you're lifting yourself in the morning instead of people who are thinking bad thoughts or sad thoughts all the time. They're they're actually pulling themselves down instead Mm. of lifting themselves up because you may very well face difficult things during the day, Mm -hmm. but uh, somehow always trying to find. Some bright side to uh, difficult situations. Uh, it's almost like always seeing that light at the end of the tunnel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you make a good point about lifting ourselves can also help lift other people. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, no, I think the the best advice my parents ever gave. It's very simple. It's just to be kind.
2: Yeah,
3: that's very right. yeah. very simple. And whenever whenever there's a problem, what we say we say ask Linda. Yeah, she'll solve it. Our group
0: chat that we have, like our family group chat is actually a great uh, brainstorming session, especially to getting Hannah in the mix. April's always bringing good ideas to the table. um, And then we'll kick over to you guys as well. I think between the Scots and the fans, we can solve all the world's problems right here. (laughs) Let's start today. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, For advice.
4: I was just going to say, you know, um, how I do like to look at your social media. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I do tend to read some posts and that. And um, I really like it when I see that somebody says that you've inspired them or that um, they like your family dynamic or or a lot of these things. So you are actually helping people. That's showing how you are helping people and the way that you present yourself Mm -hmm. and the way that you present your whole thought process about life. And uh, I, I like to see that.
0: But do you ever hop on social media and comment and say, excuse me, that's my son.
4: How dare you? No, I don't because uh, actually your followers usually jump on any trolls.
0: Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, they're, yeah. They got our back. They're defending us. Yeah. Another, no,
4: I'm just an observer.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Another bit of advice that you gave us when we were younger that Jonathan and I definitely remember and, and JD as well. We, I think we all live our lives this way is you said that there's always a way to the top. If you're really passionate about something, you really want something. If you work hard, you can get there. There's always a way at the top without stepping on someone else to get there. Yeah, of course. And I, I really, really enjoy that advice, the advice about never, you know, there's so many people out there that can that will tell you you can't. And a lot of times it's the people that they have no right giving you advice in a certain uh, topic or area. They have no experience, yet they still want to be the ones to tell you yay or nay. Um, but you don't take that. I mean, find five ways to do things. And so all the drive that we have, everything I think that we've accomplished has really been because of how you raised us at a young age and you kept us excited uh, about working hard. Growing up in a ranch, you have to work hard. I mean, you learn the value of a hard day's work, but then also to stay passionate and go after things and see things through. The Cowboy Code. Yeah. We live our lives right. by the Cowboy Code.
3: Okay, take a deep seat and a long shank. And pound a river, let her buck.
0: Yes. <laughs> Nobody knows what the hell you're talking about.
1: <laughs> There's a cowboy out there somewhere that knows what you're talking yeah. about. Someone's uh, Google translating. <laughs> yeah. Cowboy speak.
0: Well, thank you so much for for chatting with us. And, uh, you know, I literally, we could sit here for hours Days and, and go over stories, but maybe this is just gonna be the first installment sure. of the yes. property parents. Right. Yeah.
4: yeah. We're looking to get our own show
0: done. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people. I'll pitch it. Okay. Brandon, don't leave us watch. for them.
3: <laughs> oh, is that yeah. a cut? That's, That's a cut. A <laughs>
0: Can you imagine being married to me for over 55 years? No. Hell.
1: I can imagine being married to you for 101 years.
0: Ooh. So wait, let me do this calculation. We're at two years now. We'll be a thousand years old. So it's going to be 99 more years. We'll be
1: heads in jars.
0: I look great for 41, but will I look great for 141? Oh
1: my gosh. (laughs) I'll be 140. I'm better than you at math.
0: Wait, what? Did I do something wrong?
1: No, it took you forever to add 101 to 41. <laughs> I'm sense. tired.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it's amazing to see how much love mom and dad still have for each other, and the little little moments that you catch them squeezing each other's hand when they're telling stories mm-hmm. or smiling at each other.
1: Or I find it hilarious when they're kind of making not making fun of each other, but you know, jokingly, especially when we're FaceTiming. Yeah. And uh, mom and I will will go on about dresses or or something. And then dad pretends to fall asleep. <laughs> well, it's, it's
0: funny too, because mom will always kind of, she'll say something in sort of the more like, like proper way. And then dad just comes in bold and says, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. And he says that how it really was. So it's, it's funny to see their dynamic, how they're still willing to make fun and tease each other a little bit.
1: And I, I love seeing how different they are. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you and I are vastly different from one another. Um, and I think that's where the humor comes in.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when I make fun of your lack of ability to drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you tease me about my rugged good looks.
1: Oh yeah. When I tease so you much about to make fun of.
0: how bad you are at math and then you tease me about being I'm sorry. Tall, dark and handsome.
1: Who, who couldn't just add 101 to 41? Darn it. <laughs>
0: so we've been together, you know, almost 10 years, married for almost 2. Anything you think you what's what's going to be our next milestone? The Tomorrow. Every day. Every day is a milestone. Yeah. Because I love you tomorrow more than I love you today.
1: Wow. We should just end it right there. That
0: was meant to be romantic, but that almost sounded like there was a mean side to
1: that. I think I think the saying usually goes, um, I love you more today than I did yesterday. Yeah. But if for you the gloss is half empty, then I guess that means like what, you didn't love me as much yesterday. <laughs>
0: My glass is always fully full. So mm-hmm. I just, I love you lots and I continue to love you lots more. <laughs> there we <you> go. Done. <laughs> Easy. It, it is fun chatting with family too. And, and also hearing mom and dad and, and them getting excited about us having kids
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and you know,
0: talking to your parents as well about that and your mom even wanting to move in with us when we have kids. That'd mm-hmm. be awesome.
1: She'll make us all the amazing Asian soups that are good oh, for
0: Your mom's kanji. everything. Your mom's kanji is the best. Mm -hmm. That rice porridge goodness. I want lots of that. But um, anyway, yeah, when we have our 16 kids, I think it'll be great for their grandparents. Get on it. You get on it.
1: You get on it.
0: I get on it. Never mind. (laughs) Do
3: you guys want me to leave? (laughs) (laughs) Is it getting awkward for you, Brandon. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Family time is the best. (laughs) And that's why I actually look forward to sitting down with JD and Anna Lee as well as your siblings and also Jonathan and Zoe will be a lot of fun.
1: Yes, we are going to pick their brains and get their honest opinions of you. Sorry, uh, Drew will not be uh, available for those episodes conveniently.
0: Yeah, Linda just wants to dig into the truth. (laughs) The problem is though, I say everything that embarrasses me out loud. That's true. It's all public knowledge. Well, thanks so much for sitting down to chat with us. I hope you enjoyed our chat with my mom and dad. And hit us up with your emails, feedback at, at homepodcast.net. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to see us interview?
1: Or on Instagram at, at home. And also don't forget to rate us if you could take a moment to do that. We would love that.
0: In the App Store. A uh, huge thank you to our podcast producer, Brandon Angelino.
2: Thank you.
0: We even harmonized a little bit there. We did? Yeah. Oh. Annalie Bell, our researcher. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: And Chad Carlson and Victoria Shaw for our wonderful music. Feels Feels like Like home. Home.
0: And thank you to Linda, my family, my love, my future baby mama. I don't know.
1: And thank you to Drewby, who is the love of my life. And I love you. I love
2: you. (laughs) Oh.
0: And ADT now professionally installs Google Nest products with their smart home security systems because ADT is awesome and believes that the smarter the home, the safer the security.
1: I can't wait to see what they do next.
0: They're going to put Google Nest doorbells on the moon.
1: <laughs> Actually,
0: I like to know what's happening at our front door from virtually anywhere with our Google Nest doorbell.
1: I do love how when we're out at dinner, we can see exactly what's going on at the front door.
0: And we can control our ADT smart devices like. Lights, locks, the security system with Google Nest speakers and displays.
1: Mm -hmm. All you have to say is, hey, Google, to get started.
0: Well, I think it's great for people to help protect what matters most with all of this. Plus, 24-7 professional monitoring from ADT and a little help from Google.
1: Visit ADT.com to see how ADT can help make your home smarter and safer.
0: Hey, Google.